Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's going on, everybody? It's the KBR Sports Podcast. You already know the best sports podcast of your 24-hour day. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the podcast. Of course, if you are not already subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on your way in. Hopefully, you enjoyed this podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you catch your podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or iHeartRadio, and other platforms as well. And make sure you subscribe to the KBR Sports YouTube channel where there's new content posted on a weekly basis. So make sure you guys go ahead and check out things over there. But guys, we got an exciting episode today where we have a guest with us for today's episode. And he's an international author, speaker, mentor, and networking coach. He's considered a national expert on the topics of adversity, networking, and team building, and his experience spans over 30 years of sharing life-changing messages to hundreds hundreds of audiences. He also has a vast experience when it comes to coaching in terms of college basketball, where he's coached in NCAA Division I basketball, back-to-back Big 12 titles and such. So, guys, that's only that's only the tip of the iceberg. So, guys, give let's give the guests a round of applause. Mr. Randy Brown. Randy, how are you doing today? Excited to have you on for today's episode. I'm doing fantastic. And once again, thanks for having me on. I, I, I just really, uh, really enjoy uh, speaking with with podcasters and, and interviewers around the country. And it gives me a chance to connect with people I normally wouldn't. So yeah. thanks for that opportunity. Looking forward to it. Of course, of course. So Randy, for those who might not know a good amount of your background, I feel like I, I try to give you the best introduction that I could, but you've that was done, good. <laughs> you've done so much. I can't even encapsulate it all, or I'd be given like a 10 minute intro, but give, right. give them some idea of your background, especially background in basketball. What is it? What is that mm-hmm. like? Well, I grew up in the state of Iowa. My father was an award-winning sports writer. And so the son of a sports writer gets drugged. Um, in and out of gyms uh, a lot when when you're young and of course I loved it so I I couldn't wait to go to games with him uh, in the winter time when it was basketball season and, and I knew in short order that I wanted to be a coach and yeah. I loved the game of basketball and when I learned you could do it as a profession that I mean I didn't need to look at any other professions any other careers that's what I wanted to do started out as a high school coach and for five years I was a high school coach in the state of Iowa but my heart was set on being a college coach. Mm. And I went to uh, school at the University of Iowa. And ironically, in 1980, uh, while I was still going to school, the Hawkeyes went to the 1980 Final Four. Oh, nice. And man, that was just about too much to take. I mean, <laughs> I was a huge fan, but I'd also got to know the coaches. And you know, my background, I didn't know it at the time, but I was really working on my ability to network at that time, because that's how you, that's how you lift yourself from a high school career into a college coaching career. Uh, it's, is by connecting with the right people. Well, lo and behold, Lou Olson was, uh, who, who now is, you know, in the Naismith Hall of Fame, uh, coach Olson was the head coach at Iowa. He had a tremendous staff and, 
They went to the 80 Final Four, but 1983, he had a chance to, to take over a 4-23 and 23 program at the University of Arizona, and he oh, wow. jumped on it. And yeah. people thought he was crazy. <laughs> but coach, coach knew what he was doing, and so they went down to Tucson. And fortunately, uh, about a year and a half later, um, I got a call and was asked to, to come down and uh, become one of his graduate assistants at Arizona. So nice. he was as much of an idol as, as he was uh, really my boss at Arizona. Cause he, he was just so revered in the state of Iowa. Just a guy that just really could, <laughs> he'd walk in that room. You know, you hear about people talking about somebody that walks in a room and there's just people are in awe. And that's what he was in the state of Iowa. Wow. And so I started with coach Olson and, Brendan, I, I learned so much about in, in 20 years about coaching, about the X's and O's of the game, about strategy. But what I really learned was how competitive the world is, mm. how, how difficult it is yeah. to get yourself involved in, initially in college basketball as a young assistant, graduate assistant. Uh, but then work your way up and you're, man, I'll tell you the thing is you're always earning your stripes. You have nobody has arrived in college basketball and, 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 you know, we can say that because, you know, some of the best coaches ever have been fired and, and been told that they're, they weren't doing a good enough job. And I mean, it can be a really brutal profession as a lot of professions can be, but at the same time, I, I don't measure my career on that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how I measure my career. And, and, and the Big 12 championships are great. And we played in the Elite Eight, the game to go to the Final Four in the year 2000 and got beaten a real close game to Michigan State. They ended up wow. winning, eventually winning the national championship. Wow. And they had the Flintstones. They had Mateen Cleaves. And they had, you know, all those guys from Flint. And it was quite a team yeah. that they had. Um, and, and those things are great. But, but I... I will tell you honestly that if I talk to one of my players from North Dakota or Miami of Ohio or Marquette or Stetson or Drake or Arizona, and they mention something to me about their experience when I had an opportunity to be around them and coach them and, and they thank me. And you, I can't tell you how many guys have thanked me for, you know, this is, Man, coach, you guys are really hard on us. You you drove me some days. I didn't know if I could do it. And one of the greatest compliments is later on when, when they're raising their own family and they're married and, and they're fighting through the adversities that come with life. They compliment you and say, I'm so glad that you did. Hmm. And you can't tell a 19-year-old, hey, I'm on your butt hard today. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. And I, I could tell them for two hours. It wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Later in life, things kind of crystallize and they look at them and they say, oh, I'm starting to get this stuff now. Yeah. Now I get it. And when they come back and actually take the time to thank you for what you had done at the time when you really didn't know what was being done or why it was being done, that means so much to me. That yeah. means way more than any of it combined. It really does because it, it just reaffirms that what you knew to be right and, and working hard and, and trying to be right. You know, we all say we're teaching kids life lessons. Well, 
if you're true to that, you are going to teach them a bunch of them because sports, there's no greater arena than sports to teach people before things happen that these things are going to happen and how to, how to deal with them. Talk about adversity. Yeah. And that's one of my, the main topics that I speak and write on, you know, again, someone that's 18 or, or 19 hasn't even lost, you know, like a grandparent. Yeah. You know, let alone a friend or, or whatever it, it typically. Yeah. And when, when those more difficult things in life start to happen, I, I, I always want to know that I've had that conversation with them and that w- whether we talk about their faith, whether we talk about people close to them who can always be there to support them and vice versa, you support them. Uh, and a lot of crazy things happen in this life and how they're able to respond to that adversity. Um, I hope that a real, real small part of it came from, uh, it came from the time that I had with them. And of course, a lot of them have, you know, did follow my career, did follow the adversity that, that I went through um, uh, and my family went through. And I know that, uh, you know, they, they probably learned through that too. So uh, the, the basketball part's great, believe me, but it's, it's like a lot of things. It's very short-lived. Um, it's great that we have memories. It's great that we have, you know, NCAA watches that everybody gets to wear and the oh, whole deal. Cool. But I didn't know but, that. But cool. th- yeah, but this is really about what happens after they get done playing. So I did want and, to ask, I wanted to ask you about that because then what is, would you feel like it's the biggest challenge coaching someone when they first come in and you're, you're first getting that young player or when they're getting older and getting ready to leave you because then you're preparing them to leave or what is the toughest aspect of that or even maybe even if a kid wants to transfer or something under those circumstances, mm-hmm. what is the toughest mm-hmm. part of that coaching dichotomy you have to go through? Uh, a couple, couple things. First of all, that first semester for a freshman, a true freshman, is really difficult. They're away from home. Okay. They un- start to understand what kind of shape and how difficult they have to be in and how difficult these workouts and practices are. Yeah. And they look around and see there's a bunch of other guys who are just as talented as they are. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, it's, it's an eye opener. The academics are an eye opener. And then you have this thing called a social life, which they don't really have. Yeah. They, they, they would love to have one on a consistent basis, but I mean, it's like, I'm telling you, you know, people always say, well, college basketball and college football and things are a business. They are a business. And I know that for a fact, because of the amount of time that, is spoken for, for student athletes. They know that they get up and eat at a certain time, have class at a certain time, like any student. Yeah. But then, but then when any student has the rest of the day to do whatever they want, that's really when it, this day kicks in for, for a, 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 a basketball athlete, let's say a student athlete, yeah. because then it's, then it's in the training room to take care of whatever they've got going on physically. And then it's practice and then there's lifting and then it's getting in extra time. It's getting up in the office with coaches and watching film. Yeah. Okay. A lot of programs have study tables. So when you really want to just kind of cool out and and take it easy and a lot of times you can't because seven o'clock study table for two hours. Man. Not, next thing you know, you get back to your dorm, it's 920. Yeah. And they have not had one 
free moment for themselves. Now, there are times where they can, they, they can, they can socialize and, and they can, you know, they can relax and they can hang with their buddies. But honestly, most of the time it's with the, their buddies on the team, on the team who they're yeah. with all the time anyway. Yeah. But people don't really understand that. I think they, 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 they see student athletes as kind of having it made. Um, in, <laughs> yeah. in, in one respect, they do because they're getting to do something at the division one level, that very few mathematically, very few ever get a chance to do. And it's four years and it's going to go really, really fast. But boy, I'll tell you what, it's, it's a serious deal. And, um, you know, they need to stay healthy. They need to get sleep. They need to, I mean, there, there's so much mentally that a student athlete goes through that I know people don't understand Of course, to yeah. go through a scouting report and understand, uh, you know, a 12 page scouting report and know everything about that team, everything about all their players. Um, remember not only our plays and, and our stuff, but, but remember the opponents. Yeah. And there's, and there's 32 games. You got to do that 32 times. Yeah. And, and they're studying. They always got books with them on the road. So we're flying or, or, uh, I mean, at, at the level of the big 12 or, you know, you're flying, yeah. um, it's your league games and things or, or whatnot, but still, I mean, you got books and you're studying, you, you never turn that student switch off. Right. Yeah. I mean, that thing always stays on full time. So as it, gets. it is, it is really full time. And I, I give student athletes in all sports, um, in, 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 uh, the men's and women's athletics, man, I give them a lot of, a lot of props because most are not made for it. There's no way that they could handle a, mm. a day of it, let alone a, a week or a month of it. But, but student athletes do, and they, they really, really work hard and they're building memories, but they're also preparing themselves big time for, uh, for w- when they're not playing anymore. Yeah. Right. I, it's it's interesting because I hear so many times that anybody that's played sports or anybody that's successful in some walk of life, they tend to always say that the number one thing they would advise to a kid that's, that's coming up teenage age or whatever the case might be is to play sports because it teaches you so many fundamental skills about life mm-hmm. and just how to become a full, fully functioning part of society. And it's interesting how you talk about that they're taking on so much of a schedule when you go from the high school level to the college level. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it, it seems as though it's like almost a, a culture shock in a lot of ways for them. How do you normally help the freshmen or new players coming from a different program over to your program? And how do you help integrate them into that new, that new culture of how things work when you're coaching them? When they, when they arrive on campus and move into their dorm, it, it is really important to surround them with their teammates, mm-hmm. surround them with our student managers, our coaches, our support staff. Mom and dad want to know that they're not on an island. Yeah. And in, in, in recruiting, you know, and, and I've, I've always said this, and I, I really, really strongly believe in this. If, you're, if you have chosen the wrong place for you and your family, let's say lived across the street from the school that you picked, let's just say you could be like thousands of miles away. Mm. Does that make sense? I mean, even though you know, they're across the street, right? Yeah. Cause the school's, the school's not right. right. 
you, you, your heart's just not in it. You, yeah. It's it's not right. And and may, maybe the people in the program aren't don't jive with you and aren't the kind of person that. And that's all recruiting. Okay. Uh, also, then we'll say you can be thousands of miles away, but if your family is with you wherever you go, it's as if you're right. Your family's right there with you. Yeah. It's yeah. it's. I've seen it so many times go both ways. And so the first thing we do is just try to wrap our arms around them and say, hey, you are here. But I, I tell you, the other thing you have to do, you got to be very honest and say, hey, there's going to be some days where you're not going to like basketball very much mm. because you've had to run down 94 feet and, and touch those pretty new sneakers we just got you on that line and <laughs> yeah. turn around and run 94 feet <laughs> and do the same a yep. number of times. Yeah. And you're going to say, this isn't basketball. <laughs> well, it is basketball. It's college basketball. Yeah. So, but, but, but you have to prepare them because there are going to be tough days and they need to know that, that there are people there to support them. Mm. It's really important. This is a difficult, difficult venture. Yeah. It, it really is. It's so crazy and, because, you know, go ahead, go ahead. And, 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 you know, not all programs are the same, you know, some of some of them aren't as endearing as maybe others. I've always felt that when, when we recruit a young person, we go in their home and we tell mom and dad the way w- what we stand for and, and our values and what support there will be there for him academically, athletically, yeah. socially, the, 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 the whole thing. Um, are you kidding? I mean, we we owe it to ourselves at a very minimum to follow through with everything that, that we told that, that young man and his parents in that in that home when they were making their decision. Yeah. Now, you know, and every place is different and, and that's fine. But I, I just know that, yeah, it's winning. It's losing. It's a business. It's this. And it's a lot of stuff. But I know that if I tell a parent and I'm a parent that I'm going to take care of their son or, or, or their daughter is when they're student athletes at our university through thick and thin. And I mean, there's a lot of each, there's a lot of, a lot of tough days. Yeah. Then, then I'm going to be there. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Hey, they're young people. They're not, they're, they're not pre NBA superstars. No, I've, I've coached a lot of guys who've played in the NBA and that's awesome. But probably 98% of the guys I coached in college didn't play in the NBA. Yeah. So I was there to, I was there to help them all. That's what I'm hired for. That's what, why I get paid by the university So to do that. I want to ask you, so what is the juggling act then that you have to somewhat play? Because it's tough, right? Because a lot of guys, they come to the, they come, they get to the college level or a lot of people, when you make it to that next level, you probably were the best player in your area or something close to it or the best player at your school or something of that sort. So then when they come to that next level and they realize, Hey, I'm not the best on this level, or there's a bit of a realization, okay, where they may think they are going to go to the NBA, and now they're coming into the situation, and now they realize, oh, that dream might not be happening. How do you help a kid mitigate mitigate those expectations for themselves? Because you see it. You've seen, just like you said, you've coached players in the NBA. You coached Steve Kerr and other guys Mm -hmm. in the NBA as well. So you've seen what it takes, and when you see a guy come through, and you know, well, 
it's like you're going to coach him to be the best player he can be, but you also want to make sure you're not setting unreal expectations. How do you mitigate that? So there, there's such a thing as bottoming out, and, and freshmen uh, invariably will bottom out. Yeah. They think that they've been coached, and a lot of them have had very good coaches along the way. But the, the, the specifics and the details – plus the effort that players have to exert every single day. We, we had a term at Iowa State, and I worked for uh, Larry Eustachie, who's a phenomenal basketball coach. And Larry used to say, you guys have to think while you're playing hard. You're just used to going out there and playing hard. Yeah. You know, there's so much thinking that goes on while your body's going full speed. And it's those types of things. And eventually, with the travel – and with with uh, maybe they're not getting the sleep they should. They're not eating exactly right. Yeah. And, and everything kind of kind of it just it's like it's like a big s- snowball coming down a mountain. And I've seen most of the freshmen freshmen I've coached bottom out. And mm. it sounds like a really negative bad thing. It isn't because sometimes you have to bottom out before you can then begin to build the bricks back up and start to become the player that you are going to become. Not that you are now, yeah. no way. But uh, I, I, I'll give you a great story. Uh, Sean Elliott also played at the University of Arizona, and he uh, was a... Um, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. College player of the year. He's got his jersey hanging up in, in, in the Spurs arena. Um, he's won NBA championships and a, a tremendous career. Yeah. Sean, Sean Elliott was from Tucson. He was a, came from Choya High School. And, and I saw him last spring, and we laughed about his first practice as a college player. And I kid you not. Now, he wasn't strong yet, and he got strong. Yeah. But he was, a, he, was a, he was a lanky 6'7", you know? Mm-hmm. And this guy, I thought for sure he wasn't going to make it. I thought mm. he might be one of the one of the only McDonald's All American players to only make it through one college practice, Jeez. and then we and we laugh <laughs> about it. And and he he's like, Coach, I had no idea you guys are trying to lift me up off the floor. And he had never been through anything like that. Yeah, and he was decimated physically and mentally. Wow. And he's like, he's like, Are we going to do this every day? <laughs> and he's. And and he's wondering, and this is the first team high school American McDonald's guy. Yeah. Okay. Big time recruit. And he's like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> and so, you know, they all come in with an idea of what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. They have they have their 
scoring averages and they have their, their press clippings and things, but they yeah. come in and, and it's, it is a reality check big time. And, and I think what, what we want the guys to do, they don't all do this, but we want them to be realistic and say, okay, here's where I thought I was. Here's where I really am because I can see who else is in this program. And Oh, by the way, they're going to recruit another class behind me and behind those guys, there's going to be another class. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and so if they're realistic about it, what they do is say, okay, I'm going to get as much time as I possibly can as a freshman, but I'm going to use this whole year to listen and learn and have my coaches tell me what I need to, to do to become the best player I can be. Yeah. All right. Not the best player somebody else is, but the best player I can be. Then that sophomore year, man, what a difference between that sophomore fall and their fall uh, uh, of their freshman year. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you'd see, it's got to feel like 10 years of growing up to them. I mean, it's just really amazing. Now they start getting why we do study table. They Everything starts to connect a little bit. Yeah. Now, and, 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 and let's say they're, they're in a role where they're, you know, they're coming off the bench and playing six minutes a half. So they're playing 12 minutes. Yeah. And then that junior year and then that senior, it's a building process big time. Now we all know in college basketball, you've got the guys that come in and play 35 minutes as a freshman. That happens. That's not the norm. Mm. Most freshmen have to learn and earn their way. Yeah. And as they work their way through their, their uh, career, they're able to then become more a part of the team in terms of playing. And I've, I've never recruited a kid, never coached a kid in college, didn't want to play. They all want to play. That's <laughs> one consistent thing Yo. you can count on. You know, um, I, I, I'll never forget what um, um, every time I tell this story, I, I think I think I get somebody to tell me that they've never heard that, but that's it's a good way to look at it. Our, our first year at Iowa State, with Coachy Stacy, the very first thing we done on the first day is we sat in that locker room and he said, what I want you to do is I want you to write up on the board, how many points you scored in high school. Mm. And so he, we, we gave the, the, the marker to one of our guys and, you know, he writes up 31, gives it to the next guy and he writes 24 and the next guy writes 17. And the next guy writes 28. Well, you can imagine by the time we get done, we've got like 340 points listed on the board collectively right Mm -hmm. well the problem with that is okay we're only going to probably average about 70 72 yep not 346 Mm. so in other words and and what it was it was a an exercise in them realizing that only five can play and we're only going to score X amount of points. And yeah. so your 41 in high school probably isn't really going to factor in much to our, our 71 that we're going to, that we're going to score against, wow. uh, you know, Kansas. Yeah. Now all of a sudden they're looking up, they're going, Oh my gosh, 70 points. <laughs> well, if I get my 41 that, you know, that's only, <laughs> that's only 29 for my team. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're like, Whoa. And there's this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. But it is a it's one of the great examples I've ever seen in terms of getting these guys to come to the reality that this is college basketball and I got to earn my stripes. And, you know, I may be a seven rebound three point guy, 
And a bit, by three-point guy, I mean score three points a game. Yeah. So yeah. three points a game, seven seven rebounds. And that may be their role. They may do it really well and play a lot, mm-hmm. but that's those are their numbers. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was a, it was an eye opener. Guys are looking around like, <laughs> what is going on here? Are you sure we can't score more than seventy? Yeah, no. it's so. so- I'll say it's so funny to hear you say that because I remember a couple of years ago when Carl Anthony Towns was coming out of Kentucky and Uh a lot of people are talking about how Carl Anthony Towns was such a talented player. And then in his rookie year in Minnesota, everybody was like, well, how was coach? How was coach Calipari hiding this talent? And because Carl Anthony Towns came into Minnesota and was just dominating. He was averaging 20 points in his sleep. And people were just amazed because at Kentucky, you just saw him fitting a role that he needed to fit with that team. And him, I remember, I think at the time in the draft class, he was going up. It was him and Jaleel Okafor. I think maybe it was the debate between who would go first pick. And it's Mm -hmm. just just so funny the way you say that. But to see his talent in that role he had to play. It's interesting enough, and I wonder how tough is it to get that buy-in from the players when you're like, "Hey, look, <laughs> we only have this many points to a lot. If we want to win, everybody has to play a certain role. If you guys yeah. just want to go up there and get your own numbers and points, that's a reality. But we might we're probably going to lose a lot of games. Like, how do you get that right. buy-in from those guys?" I was really blessed. I worked for seven guys in, in my, in my college career and really outstanding basketball coaches, but more important than that, they were program builders and they were managers of people. Mm. And I'll tell you in anything we do in this world, we have to manage people unless you're going to be in a cubicle down in the corner and never see anybody you know, every day, then you're going to be around people <laughs> and sports are about managing people. Yeah. And so, um, I, I hear people all the time say, Oh, how do these guys coach the Lakers or how do they coach Brooklyn or how do they coach this team or that team? You can't coach those guys. And I say, you're right. You can't coach those guys. You, all you can do is manage them mm. within their personality within yeah. their background, within, I mean, I mean, th- those are delicate things, but it's about managing people. Yeah. The best guys I've been around have been able to do that. All of them. I learned from every single one of them that they put an unbelievably high premium on practice. Mm, okay. Practice is actually a word I'd like to change. Practice sounds like we're going to kind of go half speed and work through some stuff and get ready for the game. Yeah. The, the, the coaches that I was really blessed to be with, our practices were so much harder than the game could mm. ever think about being. Yeah. Because, listen, we can go for 20 straight minutes. You know, the, the, the most with all the timeouts, both that the coaches have and media timeouts, it, it it's down to about less than four minutes that you have to play in a row. Yes. And we still have the ball's got to go out of bounds. You got to run out of bounds, play, got to shoot free throws. There's yeah. more breaks in basketball. You can't believe. And so, you know, putting a premium on, on practice means number one, as a team, we're getting ready to play and execute and, and really be difficult to, to beat at, on, on game night. 
yeah. but it's also to a to a pr- player who wants to just kind of go through the motions. They're not going to get anywhere. And our message is always, listen, we can't evaluate you in a game if you're not playing. Yeah. Where do you think yeah. we're going to evaluate you and see your progress? Yeah. Okay. So they should look so forward to practice because now I can show them what I've got and the consistency of making good decisions Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, getting in the weight room because practice is the only time they've got to do that. Yes. And so the, the, the great ones will, will get that message across. I, I, I always have thought that buy-in comes directly from that emphasis on what they do in terms of sleep, mm. eating, taking care of their bodies, and then what they do. Is practice just a thing that we go through or is pra- practice, you know, what one of the coaches used to say, today's practice is the most important practice to this date. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And, 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 and I've heard guys say, we said that yesterday. Yesterday, that practice was the most important practice. Well, what he's saying is the next one is the yeah. most important. If our team is ever going to get to the Elite Eight, if our team was ever going to, and there were many days we thought that, you know, that just wasn't possible for this yeah. team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so it's, a, it's an incremental process of daily building a team, daily helping um, uh, student athletes, um, improving their game, which meshes into the team. And that day of practice is precious. And teams yeah. that don't don't take it serious don't end up doing anything. Wow. They really don't. Yeah. And it's way more than talent. I know. And I, I you know, I've tried to tell people that it's so much more than that, but it's so much more than talent. Yeah. It really, really is. It's how tight those guys are as a group, how relentless they are. And and and, and you know, a lot of guys just refuse to lose. Yeah. And uh, that doesn't come necessarily from great talent. It's, you know, it is a team game, but they still got to put that ball into that basket and it's 10 feet off the ground. And you got to get through five of our guys in order to get to that rim. Yeah. You know, so, talent aside, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it makes me think of the year when I remember, do you remember that team? I can't remember which, I think it was a Kentucky team that went up against, it was either Duke or it was Kentucky. And I think they played Wisconsin. And I remember it was like a few years ago. And their whole starting uh-huh. five was pure, was all freshmen. And uh-huh. I, I remember, actually, this might have been the Zion team. The team Zion was on with RJ Barrett, okay. Cam Reddish. And I remember they lost ahead. It was a, I don't think it was the – they didn't even get to the Final Four, I don't think. I think it was like the Elite no. Eight. Yeah, I think it was either the Elite Eight. Or might have been right before then, too. I can't remember. Yeah, but Sweet 16 early day. Yeah. yeah, it was one of those two. And I remember watching that team. I'm just like, these guys are just 
it's like you see the talent. It's like I, you know what these guys can do. But now that they're in a crunch time situation and they're playing this team that knows how to play on a string, I'm seeing yes. they don't know what to do late in these games. Like R.J. Barrett was just driving into a whole like sea of players, and then it's just turnover right. after turnover. They don't know who they're going to go to. And I was just like, they haven't had to face this type. Normally they've won the games just because they're talented. But now right. you right. have to – you have to actually execute, and that's where yes. they ended up having their downfall. So it is right. it is very interesting to hear you say that because it's very true. Oh, absolutely. And that's why you have upsets every year. Yeah, yeah, that's a No fact. question. Yeah. You know, and it's a team game, so it's a 40-minute team game. Yeah. So although individuals are talented, and it's good to have talented individuals, believe mm-hmm. me, even though they're talented, it's a team game for 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So – Everybody's got a chance. That's what that's what you gotta love about college basketball. Oh yeah. It's so it's great. Just, March March it Madness. Is great. I love it. Cause my birthday's in March too. So look, whenever it comes around, <laughs> I'm like, this is yeah. the best time of the year. <laughs> it is. It is so great. And it, it, it's it's a great study in in what the resolve of teams, coaches and teams can do yeah. uh, when there's pressure on, when there's adversity. Oh yeah. That's why sure. I like watching it, you know, yeah, for sure. I wanted to ask you, so what would you, what do you say? Cause I, I wanted to tie it into a previous question earlier about what kind mm-hmm. of team building and lessons do you think kids growing up today can learn from partaking mm-hmm. in sports and what, what are the benefits there for today's kids with, with playing sports? I think the number one thing that is an awesome lesson is the realization that it's not all about me. Mm. And I got to tell you, I've told many a kid, I've told many a young person that that was given an attitude or something. Cause, cause I've done a lot of work in my, in my post-college coaching, you know, working with younger players and things. Yeah. And, and somebody that maybe has an attitude and I say, you know, you've got a decision to make. Okay. If you need this, if you have to have this all about you, I got a great sport for you to, to get into. Just go play tennis. That'd be a good mm. one. Okay. <laughs> now, if you want to play a team sport, okay, you're just one of five or one of 14. Yeah. All right. And that's huge that they got to learn that. I mean, they're going to, now they're going to go off to college, play basketball or not. They're going to move into, you know, um, um, the early work stages. And, and next thing you know, it's going to be a, a they're going to get married and have a family. And, and if they think it's about them when they're 14, if we can get that across to them, that they're a part, a big part of, of what a team's all about, but that they're not the deal. Okay. Now, you know, I don't know. We, we complain about parents a lot, I think, and rightly so in some situations, but it's not like they're all out there um, trying to make life miserable for a coach, but a lot of it does come from home. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wish we were more old school. Um, I wish that, um, not that the coach always has to be right, but mm-hmm. the mess used to be that um, listen to your coach, ask him what you need to do more, ask him what you need to do to, to maybe earn some more playing time. Yeah. And if you're not getting that playing time and he's told you what to do, you keep doing it and it'll work out versus, you know, maybe going elsewhere and saying, this is what's going on in practice. I'm better than this guy. I'm better than this guy. I'm better than this guy. And then getting that message back that my son should be playing. 
you know, and that's the rub that we have. And it's just, you know, we love our kids so much and we want, you want the best for them that it's really hard to be a parent. It really is, but we have to be realistic at the same time. We really have to. So, so I think that's a big one. Um, Adversity is without a question. uh, A, it is a unbelievable opportunity to learn about adversity. So let, let's talk about some different things that can happen. Yeah. Number one, just physically getting, getting worn out. Mm. Okay. Because the first thing that goes when we get worn out is we don't communicate. We're not as good a teammate as we were when we're all fresh and, and, and popping around and telling yeah. everybody to come on, let's go. Right. All that goes That's by so the wayside. True. Believe me. <laughs> I was at a junior college. I was at a junior college practice this morning at eight o'clock. And I mean, the gym got quiet. Mm. And and so now these guys are in college, right? Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah. And it's at all levels. And so, because it was tough and they, they really weren't practicing well. And so they, they ran more than they had planned on running And, (laughs) and, and guys get, when you get fatigued like that, um, there's a great quote. And I, I think it's by a general, um, one of the generals that says that, you know, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Yeah. And it does. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. So, so let's just start with that premise that physically it's going to be really tough. Yes. Okay. Um, adversity comes in. Do I get to play a lot or do I not play a lot? Do I play as much as I want to? Do I not play as much as I want to? We get beat or we win. Okay. There's a tough one. Yeah. There's a tough one right there. Yeah. Um, and then um, the one I like to watch, and I, your, your folks that are in the audience listening, I, I, would, I would challenge them to do this during this upcoming basketball season. And this happens every night on, on television during the college basketball season. Let's say that, that um, there's a game and, and, um, in any league, it really doesn't matter. And the home team's up 14 with about four minutes to go. There's going to become a pivotal point in that game where the visitor is going to think, okay, we're down 14. There's three minutes left. How are we going to get back in this game? And almost invariably, they get away from their game. Offensively, they start shooting threes. Defensively, they start to gamble on foul. Yeah, a 14 game turns into 21 before you can blink. Okay. Now what's interesting is they were all set up to play this game. And the MO of this team is they're going to come down and, and, and really kind of grind the ball and get a really good shot. And and they always take good shots and defensively, they're always solid and they don't fall a lot, but there's something about adversity that makes us kind of freak out and say, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We got to come back and try to get back in this game. Well, the way to get back in it is the way that you were, have been taught to play. Yes. But, but a lot of teams term teams divert from that. And, and I would love to hear your, I, I would love to have your audience watch that Yeah. because it happens all the time. That's and those so threes never go in. No, nope. never. <laughs> Now, if you hit three in a row, now it's a five-point game instead of a 14-point game, but that hardly ever happens. Yeah. And it, and, and the score goes to it, you know, it inflates. It Just doesn't plummet. It doesn't yeah. dwindle. So yeah. so um adversity's tough. And then when, when you lose three in a row, 
And then the practices get tougher because the coach is trying to be more demanding so they can get tougher so they can win the closer games. Yeah. It's such a balancing act. Yeah. It's really difficult as a coach to try to figure out what, where, where are the buttons for this team, which I got to push these buttons. Where's the, the buttons for these players. And the players are thinking, geez, coach, you know, we're, we're trying as hard as we can. And, you know, instead of making practices, maybe a little bit more difficult, um, and, and they don't see that, you know, yeah. cause they're not coaches. They don't, you know, they don't see that, uh, that ad- whole adversity thing right there is really. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Really, uh, it's a determiner of character, uh, I, I, I think. I think... Um, that, that our character really gets exposed in adversity. Yeah, for that a doubt. And we end up doing things that in sports and 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 later in, in life. life. Yeah. Um, be, 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 because you know, let, let's let, let's look at life and say, when really difficult things happen to us in life, there's a portion of us that just check out. Oh yeah. Like, I always say you're going to do one of three things. You're 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 going to just check out. And whatever that means, it could mean an addiction. It could mean um, a suicide. It, it could mean just being horrible to people the rest of your life. Yeah, it's just it, it's a manifestation of what happened to them. And yeah. I say it's all it's all not in reacting, but it's the way you respond yes. to everything in life. Of course. Okay. The second person is one who stays the same. They don't get better and they don't get worse. They just hang in there and almost out of self pity. And almost out of being the victim, they just stay right where they're at. And they're like, don't bother me. Leave me alone. Um, things have not gone my way I know in this life. Like <laughs> and I'm going to hang right here. And they're kind of negative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're kind of negative. Yeah. And then there's those that, but you know, like in boxing, you know, when they, those guys get knocked down and that count up. is on, they got a choice. Yeah, You can get up or you can stay down there. Yeah. Well, you know, I made a choice to get up. Um, my wife and I lost two children uh, during oh, this wow. 20 year pilgrimage of college coaching, moving seven times around the country. And, wow. and, and, and that takes a tremendous toll on you. And um, our, our kids had a, a really rare uh, disease brought on by flu symptoms. And we lost a daughter, our four year old. She was four years and one day um, back in 1992 and six yeah. years later in 98. Um, we lost our third, uh, our third oldest daughter, our third youngest daughter, um, at about age four also. I'm sorry. And I, and, and, and I'll be brutally honest with you. 
which is which is what I am. I mean, that's how I'm made. Yeah. And and I I wanted to, after we lost our second daughter, I wanted to check out. Yeah. I I just it just wasn't adding up to me. And I'm a man of faith, and and that wasn't enough. Yeah. And 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 so many things didn't make sense to me. I knew I couldn't, and I knew I wouldn't. But boy, I wanted to it's worse tough. than anything. Yeah, it's tough. And so, and so. Uh, you know, there's three ways we can go. We we have to decide. Not, not until someone told me one day. Listen, it, it isn't it isn't just you that that you've got to worry about taking care of. You have so many people in this world who who care for you. You yeah. know, and if you and if you're not around, you're not around for them either. Yeah. And I really I really started thinking a bit. There's kind of like a selfish part of this thing to where I just want to do this for me and. I just, this is, the burden's too heavy. I can't take this. It's tough. And, and, and that's where we got to get out of our shell and get with other people. Cause that's the only way I heard the messages I needed to hear in those really, really difficult days. Yeah. And so adversity is a, a major one. The, um, I think, I think I want to say one thing for what you're saying too is that that's one thing I do love about sports is that it gives you, it, it helps you deal with such adversity because for one, it teaches you how to get over natural adversities you deal with playing sports. And then two, mm-hmm. it also, you, you develop a brotherhood to some respects with the people that you are engaged in the sport with, whether it's your teammates, whether it's your coach, whether whomever it may be, you develop a sure. relationship with those people and, there's been people that I've played sports with for that's been it's been over 10 years since I've played a sport with them. I actually played with them. Right. But I still am still in contact with a lot of those guys. And it's not like yeah. we're not. It, it's weird. It's just that like there's a bond there. Like, hey, we all played mm-hmm. football together. We all played basketball together. You just know yes. what those bus rides were like when you were going mm-hmm. from game to game or if you were on a flight going somewhere, you know what that was like. So it is it is crazy because sports just gives you that feeling that you you just have brothers in arms in a weird way mm-hmm. that if you don't yeah. have sports it's like you only can get that really if you're in a fraternity or a sorority or something like that and yeah, yeah it's it's it's, it's so true thing. man yeah it's a strong bond isn't it yeah. last thing i wanted to say was was this whole thing about identity mm. the the really difficult day for a student athlete is that, that, that doesn't become a professional athlete is the day they graduate and they leave campus for the last time. And they realize that they're going to begin a career, not a career in athletics, not a career where they're going up and down and they're being interviewed and all that. And the playing field is now equaled up a little bit because (laughs) Their identity is, although they can always represent themselves by, I, w- I was a you know a student athlete in college. I played basketball for so and so, and and that's great. But I'll tell you that that is a that can really be a damaging thing for somebody that doesn't uh, hasn't been taught. You know, we 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 we've always said everybody's got a ceiling, and we're going to help you get as close to that ceiling as possible. Right. If it yeah. helps you go where you want to go in the sport, that's awesome. If it doesn't, you tried so hard to be the best version of you you could be. You got to be proud of that, whether you never shoot another free throw or not. 
Of course. Because that, th- that identity crisis is real. Yeah. They, they say like in the NFL and in the NBA, it's just, it's, it's very magnified. Yeah. Um, but, but it's a, it, it's a true thing. And during the journey, if we've done what we've been asked to do and we're trying to be the best version of ourselves, and then it, it, it takes care of a lot of that identity crisis. So that's of one of the things we can teach our players along the way. That's awesome. You love to hear that. I'm, I'm, I'm curious because especially in today's age of social media, akin to what you just said, social media is so much for young people in particular. And I hope mm-hmm. parents that are listening to this or even young people themselves who are listening to this is that social media drives the value many young people feel for themselves, whether it's their follower yes. counts, how many views they get, all the interaction they get on social media, and they drive their personal value from that. And it, it is interesting because NFL and NBA or professional sports players in general, they're for so, so long, their identity has been basketball player. Their identity mm-hmm. has been football player. And now when they're out of that space, it's like, well, who am I? And who, who am I to the world now that I'm not this person who just plays basketball or plays football. So I do think that is an important point for young people to find themselves outside Mm -hmm. of just who they, who they want people to see them as on social media or who they believe people label them as just because of their sports association. It's important to know what you like and what you're interested in and what you feel like your dream is. Maybe if it is something still in the sports realm or if it's something outside of the sports realm. I mean, look at rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Kobe, a lot for Kobe, you would say all the time when he was getting ready to retire, people would say, hey, like you're going to be miserable. It's going to be tough. And he was like, I think I'm good, man. I think I know what I want to do. And he goes into writing and the dude wins an Oscar. You know what I mean? And right. You know, it's crazy, but it's important just to know what it is, like what your thing is and your, what you do isn't who you are, I guess is Mm -hmm. such an important thing to say. And Mm -hmm. I did want to ask you, how does it feel to know that you've coached guys like Golden State Warriors coach, Steve Kerr, and then Sean Elliott as well, who's a national player of the year and such. Like, what, what does it feel like when you've coached these guys to that top level and they've had success on that top level and have gone on to win championships and such? What's the feeling it gives you as a coach? Well, you, you first of all, you have to understand that, that the part you have in all that is, is minuscule, but you do have a part. Mm. Um, two seasons ago, I went to Minneapolis and, and saw Steve's team play uh, the um, Timberwolves. And I hadn't seen him for a while. And actually another player on our team in Arizona is an assistant of his. So I got uh. to see them both after the game. And that was really cool. And, and w- when those types of things happen, you know, you, you realize you were part of it, but you're just so proud of them almost th- like they're your kids. Really? That's awesome. I mean, it's, it, it, it's just a thrill. Um, one of my, and I, it's a very emotional for me to watch this, but in game six in, it was either 96, the Bulls were at home. It's, um, it's where Kerr hit the big shot. Mm. And, it, but anyway, yeah. over on the bench, over yeah. on the bench, um, Michael's sitting there and Steve's to his left and balls out of bounds. It's a Bulls ball. And, and Michael holds up his hand like somebody's going to, you know, 
you know, figure out what he's saying and make it, yeah. you know, I'll make an adjustment on the floor or whatever. But he says, if they come off, they're playing the jazz is who they're playing. Yeah. Because earlier in that series, they had come off Michael in, um, they had left him to, or left Steve to help on him. Yeah. Um, in, in, um, in Salt Lake. And he said, if they come off, you be ready. And you can hear it. You can hear it on the, on this, um, on this oh YouTube clip, it yeah. Steve says, "That's good. That's good." He goes, "I'll be ready." Yeah. So there's script in this thing, and it's so cool because we had this thing at night where Sean would be on one end. This is after study table, and Steve would be on another end, and my fellow uh, graduate assistant Tom Billiter and I would would be on either end. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many thousands of shots I've rebounded for Steve. <laughs> So here they are at this time out. Michael says, if they come off me, you be ready. And sure enough, they came off and he pitches it to Steve. Steve hits a shot. And that series only went to six. That was yeah. it. That game was over. <laughs> and, and, and so the smallest of the smallest of the smallest sliver of that shot, you know, I, I, I maybe was involved in, but man, what a great feeling that was. Yeah. And he knocked that thing down. Like it was nobody's business. Oh, man. And, um, he even said at the parade, you know, and he's a funny guy, how they get up there and they talk at the parade. You know, yeah. he said, yeah, at the, you know, Michael did it again. He said at the timeout, he goes, I just don't know if I'm made for this. He goes, I, I, I might just end up passing it to you. You know, kind of one of those things. <laughs> oh, he goes, that's, that's my story. That's my story. And I'm sticking, sticking with it. it. <laughs> oh, but yeah, man. it's a, it is an absolute joy, but it's just as much of a joy as, as um, I, you know, I've got a, a, a former athlete that I coached at Miami of Ohio and, and he's got two, um, he's got a daughter and a son that are high level af- athletes at the div- division one level. Yeah. And it's just so cool to know that, they got a lot of coaching from their daddy, you know? Yeah. And, and, the, and that Jamie was a guy, he was a sieve. He would, he was really good. He could, would really listen. He was a good, really good basketball player from Miami of Ohio in the Mac. Mm-hmm. And then his kids go on and they're extensions of him and they're, they're very accomplished athletes. So stuff like that is really cool too. That's a lot awesome. of examples of, of how it, and you know, we're paid in dollars and cents in the moment, but I've often said we're paid in the future. We just don't know what it's going to look like yet. Mm, and, and and those are the stories I'm telling you, because yeah. to me, that's, the, that's the most, that's the richest, that's the richest thing that I can receive Yeah, is a story or a compliment from one of my players to that's say, awesome. thanks, or my kids are doing great. And I, I taught them the way that you guys taught us to be tough and defend and whatever it is. And that, that's a tremendous compliment. And yeah. I, I know why I wanted to coach when I get those, when those moments occur. That's so awesome. What do you have one one story between you and Steve that you have that's like a that's like a good one that's funny that you you got from when you were coaching him or even even now where where he's all grown up now and <laughs> cuz I'm wondering how different Steve is now from being he's in the coaching role versus from yeah. when he went from being a player. You know, I always we, we didn't we didn't really ever think he'd go into coaching. You know, mm. he was in a front office job with the sons and he could have done anything. I, I always said Steve could be the president, yeah. you know? I mean, he just did very talented guy. When he decided to get into coaching, that was fun. Cause you got to watch him, but, and it's no doubt that they're, they've had the success they've had. Um, 
I'll tell you a really funny story. Okay. So, so when you watch Golden State, there's an assistant that's on the, you know, you got the two rows of assistants, those on the, on the, on the front lines yeah. where the head coach is and the guys behind. Well, his hair has turned white. His name is Bruce Frazier. Okay. His nickname is Q. Yeah. Nickname is Q. Mm-hmm. And so Steve and, and Q have been really tight since Arizona. Okay. And it's funny to see him during games and, and have success and all this. But I'll tell you a really funny thing was uh, Q kind of had the yips when it came to shooting free throws. I mean, he just – sometimes he just could hardly get it there. Oh, wow. Okay, it's like having the yips for putting in, in golf. You just – you can't make anything, right? Yeah. And Steve knew that, and I, I mean, he he could he could come down on you so hard. He knew something that, of weakness about somebody. <laughs> All Steve wanted to do is win. Yeah. So we we would be playing um, white against blue. So this would be a scrimmage we'd finish practice up with. Yeah. And typically, Steve's team, which had the most of the guys that would start, um, had were down like eight points with like two and a half minutes to go. Mm-hmm. And they, we'd play it all the way down. And I don't know, it seems like every time it got down to like within a point or maybe two points. Mm. So what happens is Steve's team scores. He calls timeout. And they're like, well, what's Steve calling timeout for? You bring him over and there's a coach there to kind of take him through stuff. But basically Steve would would be there and listen. And then at the end of that, he'd say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Let's foul Q before the ball's even thrown inbounds. Let's automatically <laughs> foul him because he's going to go to the other end and either air ball or miss. And we're going to come down, Sean, you score and you win. Yeah. And we win. And it was scripted like that. And son of a gun, if they didn't foul Q, they grabbed him before it was even thrown inbounds, go to the <laughs> other end, and he'd either air ball it or miss a one-on-one. Oh, Here they man. come and they would score. But it's funny to see him so serious on the bench and – and so good at their craft yeah. uh, that they are with being coaches, knowing that Steve played this little cat and mouse game on cue and practice. Yeah. And he used to beat him all the time because of it. That's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> That's probably the reason why he's such a great coach. He just utilizes that on people down. Strategy. That's just good strategy. That's all. You know. <laughs> oh, my so, gosh. Yeah. Oh, That's great. That's so great. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and a testament to, to Coach Olson. Because he was a master recruiter. He was a master. He, I think that one of the great things Coach did is he brought in people in certain spots on his staff, like our, our guys that recruited California just so tremendously yeah. um, to bring in all the great players we have in California. Coach Olson could eye a, a, an assistant that would be perfect for the Arizona program or the Iowa program. Man, he had a talent. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then he would go in that house and just knock him dead. He was a great recruiter, and and um, so he put tremendous young guys in that program. Yeah, and he gets the credit for doing that because he did. And there are too many good young guys out there not to have a whole team full of them. Yeah, um, you don't need guys that that are, think they're special, that won't listen, that won't follow rules. And, and somebody else can have them. I yeah. never really had time for them. Yeah, more talented, but in the end. I'd rather have the guys you can count on. Yeah, that's for just sure. a, a philosophy, but it's worked pretty good. <laughs> I say so as well. 
Um, that's that's I love this story. That's awesome, man. It's so many great anecdotes people can take away from this. I hope people like I hope you guys are taking notes as you're listening because <laughs> this is this is so good. Um, I I didn't want to ask you one of one one of my last questions I wanted to ask was uh-huh. what with people now. I know a lot of people probably are curious about what it takes to be a coach, right? So mm-hmm. what what would you give? What advice would you give to someone who's interested in getting into coaching? and wanting to climb the ranks and how important do you think, I guess this is a two part question. How important Mm -hmm. do you think networking is in sports? Because I know you are big on networking. So I wanted to kind Mm -hmm. of give, get both sides of it for anybody who was listening. It doesn't matter whether you want to be a a youth coach, a high school coach, junior college coach, college coach. You, there's two things that you have to do. It's a pretty easy formula. Number one, find people that know a ton about basketball because you don't. You have mm-hmm. to find people that are, are great basketball coaches okay? yeah. and that have done it for a long time because they, they have made a ton of mistakes. They can tell you, listen, when I was your age, I thought I knew everything, blah, blah, blah. Uh, those are great people to learn from. But number two is... You've got to be very mindful. I always say you got to have your antennas up. doesn't matter where you're at, the grocery store, looking for a used car, um, walking down the street, um, sitting at a baseball game. Who you meet, you never know who a person that you meet is going to become professionally. Mm. Okay. Yeah. This thing, the big mistake that a lot of young people make in terms of coaching and getting jobs is they get real fired up when there's an opening and I say, you know, think about the farmer and I live in Iowa. And so it's a great analogy for me. If all the farmer worried about was planting and growing corn within a three day period when they really needed some money. Okay. They wouldn't be very good farmers and they'd be broke. What does a farmer do every year? Very diligently. Okay. They get that land ready. They plant that seed, they lay that herbicide, it's watered, they weed it, they take care of it, and it comes up every single year. So it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In the, in the spring, when they're, when they're planting those seeds, these little stalks of corn are coming up. But they're not taking those to market. Yeah. They got to be patient and they got to continue to take care of their crop so that, and they're in the, you know, they're finishing up in the fields now, taking that corn out. That's we're talking 14 foot tall corn. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And and so they are they are a great exercise in what patience really does. And they do it every single year. And so when we network. We are constantly, like every day, really need to be building that base of people who know the game or know a lot of people who do know the game or know people who hire for coaching jobs. And we need to 
constantly be cultivating those people. Because listen, in 60 days and 180 days and 365 days, it grows just as if you're in a gym lifting three times a week at a health club. And a year later, you're going to look a whole lot different. Yeah, that's for sure. That's what networking is. And that's what the farmers do. They're very diligent about it and do it all fall, all, all spring, all summer, all fall. And they cut them, get it, get it out of there. There's their crop yeah. and they've done really well. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but there's one key thing. And I, the, the, actually my, my, the speech that I give is called networking's networking's biggest lie, because the lie that, that, that you and I and everybody else believed when we were growing up was, listen, it's not what, you know, it's who, you know, Okay. And that sounded pretty good when I heard that. Okay. Who do I know? Okay. Who do I know? Well, I've changed that completely Okay, because I don't, I don't think it has. First of all, the young coaches I work with, they think that they know all these coaches out there. They don't, they met them maybe once or Mm -hmm. maybe worked their basketball camp. Okay. You, it isn't who, you know, the key is who knows you. Hmm. And when you make that shift, okay, yeah. when you make that shift, it makes all the difference in the world. Because listen, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, well, I know Bill Self. I said, you are in a select group of 6,714 people who also know Bill Self. Yeah. How many people do you think that guy knows? Yeah. So really, what are your chances to ever get a job from because you think you know him? Yeah. Now, what if you what if he really knew you and you guys got on a really good deep level with a relationship and he had a job open? Now you could be one of seven guys interviewing. Yeah. Sixty seven hundred or seven. That's true. Yeah. And and that's the difference. So so that would be my answer to, to all the young people that want to get involved, not only in coaching, but in any profession. It, it, anybody where somebody's got to hire you to get your job. You know, um, yeah. you know, you can guarantee a job if you start your own business, but, uh, yeah. that, you know, that's not for everybody either. Yeah. So, tough. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, that, that's key. That's key. Building a network and it, and keep in mind that it's who knows you in the end, it's going to make the dip, big difference in your career. Wow. That's, Ooh, that's, I, that, that's, that's, that's a lot of fire. You just spat out. <laughs> that's a good one because that's so true because, you think about the fact that oh. whenever someone is talking, when you're when you're saying, "Hey, I'm," when you're thinking about someone who needs a job or something, like, "Oh, someone's like, man, I'm hiring, but I can't find anybody," and you're, and you're like, "Oh, I know so and so." It's not even that person that's reaching out. It's because you know that person, or yes, you know, it's because someone knows you that you're getting this opportunity or something like that. Correct. It, it, wow, I never even thought about it that way. Oh yeah. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. That's. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 awesome. a, it's a huge huge shift for somebody that really and and you know I have a no, I have a mentoring program and I've I, I'm happy to say we've had over 130 coaches get get into college basketball. Eight of them are now in the NBA, and yeah. I take them through a program based pretty much on networking and how that goes and how do you build a deep and meaningful network, awesome. not a surface. Not a surface relationship that, that those 
all, all you know is what color their car is, <laughs> um, if they're any good at golf and what their first name is. That's yeah. all you know about them. Yeah. Well, that's not a deep and meaningful relationship. It could be. Okay. It all gets back to the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, which is so famous about when, when, when they came up with that in Hollywood about he was connected to, to everybody in show business, everybody yeah. to ever been in a movie, you know, that kind of type of deal. Mm. And I actually use that as a model. Wow. When I, when I teach networking. That's awesome. That's yeah. so good. Yeah, that's awesome. I, wanted, I actually wanted to ask you about your mentoring program because it's mm -hmm. called Elite Coach Mentoring. And I'm curious, like, mm -hmm. what made you create it? Well, I knew that I, I knew that I wasn't going to coach this game forever. My family had been through an awful lot. Yeah. And I got to the point where I thought as much as I love it, you know, I, I really think that I've got to do something that is not so time consuming and stressful and that type of thing. So, so I had to recreate myself and you talk about losing your identity. I kind of lost it. I never totally lost it, but you know, I did as an active coach, but I felt so indebted to the people who helped me make the right steps and meet the right people to help me become a college coach. I felt the least I could do. And I knew I would enjoy it too, is to create a program where I could plug people into and teach them exactly what they needed to know to have the same opportunity that I had. Awesome. And so I wanted to give back not only to the profession, but I wanted to give back to the young people. Hey, when I got that phone call, I, I was teaching school. I'll never forget it. And I, I got a, I got a slip, a phone slip at school while I was teaching. They said, call Scott Thompson, university of Arizona assistant coach as soon as you can. And I mean, I wanted to call him like right away because I, I, I had a hunch it might be about that graduate assistant job. Yeah. I didn't. And I waited and called him in the evening. And I, I have never had a feeling like that ever in my life of a phone call. I was beyond elated, beyond you can't even put a term or anything on it. That was the most special phone call I've ever got. Wow. And now my coaches, when they get a chance to get their phone call and say yes, you know who they call next is me. <laughs> yeah. So indirectly, I get another one every time they get a job. And that's really cool because they're so excited. And they thank me and say, I, 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 I knew you kept saying I had to do this and I had to write these handwritten notes. And I had to, I, I, and I, I believed you. Some days I thought you, you might not know what you're saying 100% because <laughs> you're on me so bad. Yeah. You know, and I always say, you want to be nine out of 10 that interview. Or do you want to be one out of 10? And you yeah. always want to be one out of 10. That's and, awesome. and by studying with me and learning how to network, a lot of my guys have become one out of 10 and, and uh, are out. I can hardly turn the TV on really on any given night, not see some, some remnants of my mentorship or at least one of my coaches out there yeah. uh, on TV coaching the game. That's and, that, awesome. and, that, and that makes the old coach feel really good. <laughs> so, but but we do it. everything. We do everything virtually, so I, I can I can work with anybody in the country, just like you and I are working off off uh, Zoom here and yeah. talking. That's how and, and and sending out my information and things. Uh, th that's how we do it, and yeah. we have group we have group dynamic to it. We have individual dynamic to it, and uh, it, it has been uh, it's just awesome. I love every second of it. Oh, man, I can imagine. That's so cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. You literally see your influence all over the place. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's I'm awesome. very fortunate.
Yeah. Very fortunate. I was going to ask you, so what's it like being a part of the National Association of Basketball Coaches and how does it, how does it work being a part of it? To me, it's the greatest, it really is the greatest community for a basketball coach that he can become part of Um, it. And it's, NABC has been going on a long, long time. Um, Basically the culmination of your membership with NABC um, past all the resources and and all the opportunities that you've got to plug into programs that they have at the NABC is at the final four. That's where our convention is. Yeah. So every year at the final four, the coaches come in. Uh, If if you come in there as a fan, you're going to see every coach you've seen on TV all, all season. They'll all be there. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and so we've got our meetings and we've got, there's award banquets, there are clinics um, and just, the, the real advantage of being an NABC member is you're able to get in there and just really be around all of your, all of the membership, yeah. people that you know and don't know. Yeah. And it's a really special feeling because you, you just, you know, you, you look at the very accomplished coaches and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm part of the NABC along with him. And, and uh, it's, just, it's a great feeling. So um, the coaches are very giving. Yeah. And that's one thing that's really neat about basketball coaches. Um, every once in a while, somebody won't give you one of their secret plays. They, they, they think they created it. And so <laughs> I have to tell them that Claire B back at, at, at New York, uh, um, New York college. And what uh, in the thirties probably came up with that play. We just don't know what, you know, right. <laughs> but every once in a while, somebody will get a little goofy, but, but for the most part, coaches are givers. Yeah. And we know how hard this profession is, how hard it is to get a job, how hard it is to keep a job, how difficult the, the time management and the winning and losing and the travel. And and so we always kind of have each other's backs, which awesome. makes that which makes that a very cool existence to be in the in the NABC. I think I'm 37 years um, this year. Wow. So I, yeah, I started in 85. So congratulations. Yeah, I'm getting up there. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Getting up there. That's awesome. I wanted so, to final question I wanted to ask you was just about your book. You you wrote a book called Rebound Forward. And I want I, I think people would be interested to know about it, especially after getting to mm-hmm. know you throughout the course yeah. of the podcast. What what's the what's your book about? Well, the, the book really is is sort of a story about how a person who went through a lot of adversity. He happened to be a basketball coach too, and that guy is me. All right, mm-hmm. uh, and and it goes back to how I dealt with adversity, both in the right way and the wrong way. Yeah. Okay. People grieve differently. People handle really tough things in life differently. There's always the proper response and the proper decision, and there's always another decision and and, and another choice you make. A lot of times just to numb yourself or comfort yourself just to, so you can exist and keep going. Yeah. And there'll be a lot of people hearing this that know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So Rebound Forward was really my story, but it's woven into really a story about how adversity is something that everybody faces and how can we best get through it? How can we make the best decisions to, to, to truly make greatness happen from things that aren't great? Okay. Whether we've created them or, you know, I can't explain to you how my kids died. I can't, I I just can't. I know that it happened. And I know that, I know that 
we had to deal with it in the in the most healthy way possible and that's hard to do yeah. and so the book and it sounds like a it sounds like a basketball title but it's not rebound forward yeah rebound is getting up off the mat when you've been knocked on your butt by life or by a decision you made the decision to get up and then like we talked about before there, there's three ways to go about it once you get up you can become worse you can stay the same and be a little bitter or you can move forward. Yeah. And my my choice was to move forward. And so we named it Rebound Forward. Awesome. Um, it, it's a book that's um it's a book that is uh available on Amazon. And um I get asked all the time, well, well, how many books have you sold? And I said, it was never my intention to know. So I don't even know. <laughs> I, I I gauge everything on the feedback I get from readers. Awesome. And that's that's worth they're worth millions to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had, I, I had one guy that contacted me from Minnesota. I said, he said, I read it. I went to bed. I got up and I read it again. Wow. So he read it twice in 24 hours. That's awesome. <laughs> I said, yeah. I wish I could have written it that fast. That would have been <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I can imagine. But, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, it, it doesn't take, but a story and to listen to someone else's triumph, um, and, and and mishaps and adversity to realize that they're me and I'm them. It's just yeah. a different situation. Yeah, because yeah. we're all in this in this thing too. Yeah, that's no. a fact. But you know what? I, I I promise, and I'm not just saying this. I wouldn't want it any other way. I I I was telling somebody the other day how boring would golf be if you just went out there, first hole, you teed off, hole in one. Go to the second hole, par three, grab a seven iron, hole in one. Third hole, hole in one. Every time you go to the golf course, you score 18. Yeah. Okay. Would life really be that grand if everything was that unbelievably great every single day that you wouldn't even hardly have to try and everything would be rosy? Yeah. I don't think the world was created like that. And and again, I'm a man of faith and I really believe that that's all woven into who who were we designed to be? And and what lies ahead for us? I Definitely. really do because because I I know there's I, I know there's something about losing my children that I'm going to learn that's going to make a lot more sense about it than it does right now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm committed to that. I'm totally committed to 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 knowing that and believing that. So I will say I think it was supposed to be this way. I'll say that I mean even from the stories you told me, I mean you just you sound like a pillar of strength, like because that's just something. It's, it's such a, I can't even imagine what going through that is like, but just the fact that you were able to be that, to put that in a book and then to, it's, 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 it's interesting because now your experiences lead you to where you are now. And so many times you've been able to touch so many different people because of what you've been through. So I totally understand what you're saying, why, where you say you wouldn't change anything because I think mm your your what you've been through is what allows you to then help people get through what they might go through and why you are a mentor to all these different people why you are this pillar for all these different people and you touch all these different people and it's just when you can be that person in other people's lives it just doesn't go understated how important Mm. it is because sometimes people don't have the strength like you said everybody deals with it differently and sometimes some people don't have that strength to deal with something like that and when they know that someone like you has been there and 
has dealt with something so hard, it gives those people a different type of strength that they didn't even know they had, but they got it because they knew you. So, you know, I think that's just a testament to the strength you have, your family has had. And I, I, I can't even speak enough to it. I mean, that's your story is incredible. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Everybody definitely go check out the book on Amazon rebound forward, check out his coaching program and a mentoring program. It's all great. And from every, all the gems that he's dropped in this podcast, I can only imagine what the one-on-one sessions look like (laughs) (laughs) when he's on you. I can imagine it. I can only imagine it. That's when I'm at my best, actually. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Some pretty good magic happens in those sessions. Yeah, for sure. But th- th- thanks for framing it that way. You, mm-hmm. you actually said it much better than I, I could have. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you saying it. Uh, and, and I really believe that. I yeah. truly do. I, I think that there are gifts coming out of things that were <laughs> so incredibly difficult and still difficult Yeah, that there's got to be a gift in the end to make it, to, to make it make any sense whatsoever. Of course. So, and I'm glad to give away as many gifts as I can. Of course. And, well, and one is, one is meeting you and getting a chance to be on here with you and, and share. And that's really cool. I appreciate that, Randy. This has been awesome. I, I definitely, I, I've enjoyed it so much. I've learned so much as well. And uh, that's part of the reason why I love doing this podcast so much. Cause I learned so much. Right, so I'll bet. Yeah. I, I learned so much uh, every single time I do one. So it's awesome, man. Definitely, guys. Make sure, Randy. Where can people get in contact if they want to enroll in the mentorship program and the coaching program? How can people get in contact with you? Yeah, well, well, thanks for that. Uh, the best thing to do is just to send me a direct email, and that is my initials RB for Randy Brown. RB at, and then it's Coach RB C O A C H R B dot com. RB at Coach RB dot com. And then uh, I'm going to leave my phone number too. Um, I have a lot of people say, why would you ever do that? I mean, that's, I, I said, I said, I'll tell you why, because invariably there's one person that calls me and that person needs to talk to, to someone. Yeah. And, 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 and they've heard like a podcast and they wrote my name that I, I, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the people around the country that I get a chance to talk to just cause I leave my number. And, uh, and so I made it, I made a commitment to always do that. That's awesome. And it's, it's, it's my, it's my, it's my personal, you know, cell number, but it's area code five, one, five, four, five, zero, one, nine, six, six. Five one five four five zero one nine six six, and the best policy is to te- is to text me first because of all the phone calls we get from all kinds of crazy area codes right <laughs> these days. Um, I always like getting that text first. That yeah. way, when the call comes in at the same number, I know that it's someone <laughs> that that had meant to call me. Yeah, for a good reason, <laughs> not a random sales call. <laughs> oh. But man, all the best to you in your in your podcast. Uh, I, I know you're, you're, you're helping people and changing lives, um, even through, you know, little stories in that, that don't seem like that, that heavy of a thing. It does. I mean, people are listening. So I appreciate it. So good for you, man. Definitely guys, make sure you guys go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Make sure you hit up Randy. Make sure you guys check out the YouTube channel as well, guys. This episode will be up 
I'll, I'll let you guys know what's going to be up. It's going to be up, but then I got to edit it. So, guys, until mm. next time, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Randy, for being on here, guys. And I'm, I'm out. <laughs>